The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com.
pulpit should be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we've said in six years here, we want to be gospel-centered. We want to be centered on the gospel. And so that's what we want to pray for for our church as well. So if you'll bow your heads with me, after that we'll get into our scripture and our study. And uh, it's good to see you this morning. What a beautiful day. It was cloudy for about two hours this morning, and Simeon says, it's going to rain. And I'm glad it didn't because it's just good to be here, and it's good to see your face as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the time we have. Father, we ask that as we come together that you would be lifted high, Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, in everything we say and everything we do, we want it to be about what Jesus has done for us. Father, our Christian life doesn't stop at the gospel. Father, we need to know about your return. We need to know about how to do church and how to do all these other things. But Father, it ultimately starts and everything is undergirded by the fact that you saved us. That was the great mystery that all the prophets preached about, that all the people in the Old Testament saw dimly. But now we see fully that, as Hebrews says, you've spoken once and for all through your Son. Father, we thank you for your grace. We praise you for that. Father, we pray for our sister church, Liberty Baptist. We thank you for the growth that they've had. We pray you give them wisdom and this blessing of acreage literally backing up to their church. Father, may they use that well and for your glory. And as Pastor Nathan would have us pray too, may they continue to see the gospel as the central unifying factor of everything they say and do at their church. And we pray that for us here at Tower View, Father. Father, in the years ahead, the days ahead, as we may disagree on finer points of how to do things, because we're family and that's what families do, that Lord, we don't disagree on the major thing, and that is what you have done for us once and for all, and finally in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Father, we pray for wisdom now as we continue our third part of this study of 1 Thessalonians. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bible today, your smartphone, whatever you got, we're going to do one verse today out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, this is our sermon series through the book of First Thessalonians called Countercultural, and we've named it that because this is a church, much like many churches today, that are going through very hard times, whether it be through the pandemic or politics or, or just persecution, whatever it is, churches are facing perhaps now more than ever uh, things in their midst that they have not seen or faced for a very long time. So what are we called to do? You remember Paul was writing this letter with his friends Silvanus or Silas and Timothy. It's the only letter where he does not identify himself as the Apostle Paul. He simply calls himself Paul in chapter 1, verse 1. And he does that because probably out of all the churches that he led, all the churches that he planted, and all the churches he saw grow, this church at Thessalonica, which is in modern-day Greece, was a church that probably was closest to his heart was probably one that when he went home, it's just like when you when you go on vacation, you stay at hotels and all those things, and you get home, you know that feeling. That's kind of the feeling Paul probably had as he ministered among these people. And yet, through all that, they had been questioning, to some degree, Paul's authority. How much authority did Paul have to do what he could do? And last week, we talked about some of those that they were accusing him of doing. And so we pick it up at verse 13, and it's just one verse, but it's a, it's a natural break in the text in the Greek because it's one sentence. And it's one sentence that is loaded with things that as, as personally we celebrate our, personally I, my family, and all of us celebrate six years here, I want to remind us of some basic truths. And so this morning, we're going to read one verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. If you're listening to us online, we especially welcome you. We appreciate you joining us as well. But if you're able inside to stand for God's word, we'll read it together. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. One verse. Hear God's word this morning. 
And Paul writes, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Again, he says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Guys, this is the most, probably one of the most important passages in this book because it reminds us about what God has called us to do through his word. So you bow your heads with me. We're going to get started and we will get into, uh, uh, it's a special Sunday. So we have seven quick points this morning, seven points that are brief this morning, but I pray they encourage you as we look at what it means to be word-centered people. Let's pray together pray together one more time. Father, as we come to you, we thank you again for your grace. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for sending your word. Father, we can understand it. You gave us your word. Even children can understand it. Father, but we will never plumb the depths of it this side of heaven. We will always be, Father, as it were, trying to understand everything you've given us. And that's what we'll be doing for all eternity. We will never fully comprehend you, Lord, for if we could, you wouldn't be God. But, Father, we're grateful for that because that shows us once again our place, that you are the potter and we are the clay, and you have fashioned us and are fashioning us by your Spirit to be the people we're called to be, especially to be more like Christ. Father, give us wisdom now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past week, I was uh, in a dialogue with a uh, fellow pastor in our area, and the name doesn't matter at this point, but I want you to know it's amazing that when you pray for something, God often brings that to your life. I had prayed on Monday, and I shared this with our prayer group on Wednesday, that, that when you pray, God, I don't have an opening illustration. Can you help me with an opening illustration for the sermon on Sunday? And literally, it came right to my Facebook page. We have had several questions from you all, great questions in recent weeks, about what it means to believe, what, what must we believe together? What do we have to hold as Christians to be considered Christian, and where can we disagree? It's a great question. It's a huge question, a loaded question. And so I posted on my Facebook a little link. Uh, a friend of mine wrote years ago, almost 15 years ago, about what the Bible says you have to believe to be a Christian and what the Bible says you can disagree on, but you better believe. Uh, and if you don't, maybe there's some, some question about whether you do, do believe. And, and so what are those things? Well, the resurrection of Christ, you got to believe in that. The Bible's God's word. Yeah, that's 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 there. You have to believe that. Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's one God in three persons. Jesus is fully God and fully man. You're saved by grace through faith alone, not anything you do, all of Christ. And those are really some basic beliefs. And a friend of mine I've known for about 20 years kept asking me, well, can someone deny these secondary things and still be a Christian? And it got to the point where I answered his question numerous times with the Word of God. But I asked him one simple question. I said, Pastor, I said, can someone come to Jesus Christ any other way? Can they go to heaven any other way except through Jesus Christ? And he would never answer my question. Fifteen times, maybe sixteen times, I asked him that question. Basic Bible question. A child, my son answered it on the way home the other day. But a pastor of a church refused to answer the question. Why? Because in his world, this book isn't as important as it is in ours. And I'm holding the Bible for those inside and online. Friends, how we handle the Word of God really depends on how we view the Word of God. 
Because at the end of the day, when God tells us to believe something, to trust in something, or to avoid a sin, we better listen up. For no one has more authority than God has over us. And we are those who've accepted that authority. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. The Bible, we believe, is the Word of God. It's completely true. It's without error in everything it teaches. And there's, there is not a blunt book or a dull verse in the entire Bible. We believe that every word is razor sharp and able to pierce the heart. And we still believe, and I pray we do as a church, in the authority, the sufficiency, the inspiration, the infallibility of the Bible. Because I've got nothing else, and neither do you. Otherwise, we just listen to, to talk news all day that tells us one opinion after the other. What really matters is, is what did God say in His Word? And as this church in Thessalonica was trying to live out what God wanted them to live out, in the midst of all their persecution, they had to answer the question, why should I listen to the Word of God? Was the Bible created by God or by men? And how can we show that we want to accept this authority in God's Word? The big idea today is simply this, and that's a summary of the sermon, it's on your bulletin, is that what you feel and what you believe about God's Word reflects what you feel and believe about God Himself. It is a conviction of all Christians everywhere that the Bible must set the agenda. We don't worship the Bible, we don't, uh, we don't do anything like that, but we worship the God of the Bible, because the Bible must have the final word, that's what we believe. We must be immersed in God's written word and its truth, and that, that, that we realize that the Bible ought to contradict us at times and make us mad at times as individuals. And if it doesn't, we're probably not reading the real word of God. We're doing as Thomas Jefferson, our, our early president, did and literally ripping pages out of the Bible we don't like and calling it the Bible. It's in the Smithsonian. You can go see it called the Jefferson Bible. We're projecting our preconceived ideas on imagining that God agrees with us. But if you're a Christian, you need to know that if you are walking with God, this scripture that we have has to be central in all that we do. Or otherwise, you'll be like my friend. And I love him. I thanked him for the dialogue. I really do appreciate his time. But friends, if we cannot answer a simple question that God himself and Jesus Christ said, he, Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, any human who says they can go any other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ is, is out, so to speak. Well, that's very narrow-minded. Well, either we take Christ at his word or we don't. And these Thessalonians took Paul at his word. So let's look at that first fact I want you to see about the word of God here in verse 13. He tells us here that the word of God is praiseworthy. The word of God is praiseworthy. You see that in the first part of the verse? He says, and we thank God also constantly for this. You know, Paul was a, uh, Paul was a walking billboard for Thanksgiving. Everywhere he went, he thanked God. Look back at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. He says in verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, We give thanks to God for all of you, constantly mention, mentioning you in our prayers. Why does Paul always thank God? He thanks God because the word of God is praiseworthy in their life. Paul can look at them and he gives thanks for God using his word in their lives and changing them to be more like Jesus Christ. And that's why he's thanking God. Because they received the word of God as it is. It was their source. And, and even though Paul discipled them, he taught them the word of God, they didn't have the whole Bible like we did. They just had little snippets of Paul's teachings. 
But our Bibles are often on our shelves, aren't they? They're on our tables. They're on our smartphone apps. They're there, but we don't really engage them. But Paul said this church was countercultural because they received the word of God, and he praised God for that. And anytime anyone receives the work of God, it is, a, it is the work of God himself. Look, if the word is going to be received into our hearts, it must be God's word. It must be his work in us through his word. We can't be passive. Friends, if we get passive with the word of God, we will end up like so many who say they know Jesus, but walk in a manner and a style of life that is completely contrary to what the word of God says. If the word doesn't seem to be entering your heart, if you're bored with the word of God, if you're negligent of the word of God, if you're in a dry period, that's okay. So long as you're praying even all the more, Lord, open my heart to your word. Lord, help me to see your word. Lord, help me to grow in your word. I mean, don't just take truth to be passive in your life. You cry out to God. He's faithful. If you're struggling to read the word of God, you're struggling to see it working in your life by God's spirit, then pray to him. He is faithful and just to see that he will grow it in your life. Friends, one of the greatest challenges we have in this world is that we are not thankful enough for God's word. Paul, when he writes to this church, says, I'm thankful, and I'm thankful because it's working in your life. It's working in your life. And so, have you seen God's work in your life through the word lately? And sometimes, just like in exercise and other things in life, you're going to do the, you're going to read the word. It's not going to seem to make an effect, but God is using it. But are you reading it? Are you meditating on it? Is it important to you? That's the question that the Thessalonians had to answer, and that's a question we need to answer as well. First fact about God's word is, is that it's praiseworthy. The second fact is this, is that it's understood. Look at the second part of that verse. He says in verse 13, he says, we thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, when you receive the word of God, friends, this word received here means that they took it to themselves. They took it to themselves. They received it. The very fact that we can even understand the Bible is the grace of God. The very fact that God gave us the Bible is the grace of God. But I want you to know just because someone gets the word or hears the word doesn't mean they will receive it. And you don't have to turn there, but do you remember the story in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower? Jesus said in Matthew 13 that there are four types of people. There's a one type of person that when the, the word of the kingdom comes, they don't understand it because the evil one snatches it away. There are some people who hear God's word that it's almost like it's ripped out of them. They don't understand it at all. There's a second type of person who hears the word of God, and Jesus called that the rocky ground. They hear the word, they receive it with joy, but when they endure persecution or tribulation, they immediately falls away. There's another type. There's another type of person who receives the word. Jesus says it's the one that's sown among the thorns. They hear the word, they receive the word, but the cares of the world, he says, choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. But Matthew 13, 23, and this is what Paul had in mind when he wrote to them. Jesus says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understand it, understands it, and it bears and yields fruit. In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. Of the four people in Jesus' parable who received the word, three of them rejected it at some point. Only one of them received it. So what is the difference? One of them bore fruit. One of them grew in that knowledge. 
How do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know that God's word is working in your life? It's because you will bear fruit. You're not literally going to grow oranges or apples out of your ears. That would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? But you're going to grow to love God. You're going to grow to love his word. And there are so many Christians walking around. One of the greatest heresies that we have, and I use that word intentionally in this land, is that you can walk an aisle, you can pray a magical prayer, and you can say some special incantational type words, and Jesus will come in your heart. Friends, Jesus doesn't need to come into your heart. We don't need to accept him. He needs to accept us. And what happens is so many people say, well, I'm a Christian. If you were to knock on most doors around this neighborhood, and we have for the last six years, almost on a weekly basis, and you ask someone, are you a Christian? Nine out of ten of them are going to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know that you're a Christian? Because one time in my life, I prayed a prayer, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. Well, who's your pastor? Well, I, I don't know. Well, when's the last time you went to church? Well, I don't have a church. I can do church on my own. When's the last time you read your Bible? Oh, it's, on the, it's collecting dust back there on the bookshelf. Just because you hear the Word of God does not mean you have received it or understood it. The evidence that these Thessalonians had received the Word of God, as Paul thanks God for, is that there was fruitfulness in their life. That there was something in their life that showed they really had come to know Jesus this pandemic has done a lot of things to the church, but one thing I think it's done, again, is that it has shown who are really for Christ and who are really not. No, I'm not talking about your opinions on whether you should wear masks or not masks or meet inside or meet outside. That is fourth level, fifth level stuff in Christian world. What I'm talking about is, is that the pandemic has given a legitimate excuse for people who really didn't come to church anyway, who really just dabbled in Christianity to stay away with the excuse that I don't want to be around anyone for fear of getting sick. Oh, but man, they're going on vacation. They're going every which way but to make it to church. If we've received the word of God as the Thessalonians had, we will see God growing us in ways, even in times where it's hard, and that is going to be countercultural. When the word comes, it's praiseworthy, it is understandable, but notice thirdly, it is also proclaimed. He said, I thank God, for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, which you heard from us. What is the word of God he's talking about here? He's not talking about the whole scripture. He's talking about the gospel, that Jesus came and lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross. He bore the wrath. He bore the pain, that he was buried according to the scriptures, that he was raised literally according to the scriptures. I mean, look, let, let's just do a quick survey. You have your Bibles. Go to chapter one, verse eight. Look down at chapter one, verse eight. He says there that it was the word of the Lord. You go to chapter 2, verse 2. It says that it was the gospel of God. You go down to verse 8, the gospel of God again. And go down to verse 9, the gospel of God. What were they receiving? What was proclaimed to them? It was the gospel. It was of first importance. It was always of first importance for Paul. Look, we have in our midst, church, we have the scriptures. What a joy that is. We have the scriptures then we must make a decision. If we believe that they are the word of God, then we must act on it. We have been given things that people long to see. Don't let something override your passion, your joy, everything that you have to hear the word of God. Listen to it on your way to work. Put it on before you go to bed. 
Listen to it as you work out. Do whatever you can. But Paul says, you heard it from us. How did they hear it? Did they hear it through a book? Did they hear it through a gospel tract? Did they hear it through a crusade? No. They heard it by the preaching of the word. Through preaching. You know, did you ever think about this for a second? Why do you come to church? You could do a lot of better things than to come listen to a guy for 30 minutes in your car or inside, right? I know you could. You've got a lot of things to do. But Paul says that they proclaimed the word of God. They heard the word of God. And when he's talking about preaching, and this is why every Sunday, as often as you can, by God's grace, and less hindered by providence, you need to make it a habit to sit under the preaching of the word of God. Don't make it something you do on Sunday, but make it something that is there. Look, Paul didn't send out books. He didn't send out tracts. He didn't send out angels. He didn't send out YouTube videos. He sent out people. Christ sent out people as well. And during 30 years of Paul's ministry, all he did was go and preach the word. He shared the word, and it changed people. Books are good. Tracts are good. But we don't need strategists in these days. We need preachers of the word of God. We need people who will stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God's word says. And we need to hear from the word line by line and verse by verse, because that is what God requires of us. And this is when he says it was heard from us. This is connecting the message to the messenger, because he knew that without the message coming, they could never hear the truth. Friends, people don't just come to Jesus by looking at trees. People don't just come to Jesus by, by looking at all the beautiful mountains in Colorado or the Alps of France. They come when people become coming to them who show them the seriousness of how they live. And by faith, they hear and they share the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is what the word does. The word is praiseworthy. It's understood. It's heard. Number four, it's enthusiastically received. Did you notice this? This is the second time he uses this word here, back in verse 13. He says, you not only heard it from us, but you accepted it. You accepted it. This is like a picture of a kid on Christmas morning getting their present and, and, and opening it up for the first time. You're, our kids are still in that, that, that age where just opening the package, and we got to open the package and see what it is, and it could be the greatest thing ever, but we got to open another package because we just are excited about gifts, just the, the, the process of that. Well, when they received the word, they accepted it. This word received is not the same as earlier in the verse. It's, it is literally like someone getting news they had cancer, and oh, by the way, the cancer's gone. They're going to go tell everyone. They're going to celebrate. They're going to post it all over social media, whatever you do. But here's the reminder. Men and women, children, young and old, by nature, do not receive the word of God. Men, women, children, young and old, by nature, reject the word of God. Romans 3 tells us there's none good, no, not one. And this is what Jesus said in John 5, 33. I've come in my Father's name, but you did not receive me. Let another come in my name, and him you will receive. In receiving the word, you receive Christ. Christ is the word, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And so, Corinthians tells us, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. What is Paul rejoicing over? He's rejoicing that when they heard the word of God preached, the gospel, they didn't reject it like everybody else, but God worked in them and brought them to know that truth. 
And I'll tell you this, whether the word of God is received, whether it's believed or rejected or whatever happens, the word of God is still going forth in our days today. And friend, our message must not and it cannot be determined by what men want to hear. I had a brother pastor, Pastor Tim Fritzen, is a good, good uh, running friend, pastor friend of mine at Liberty Christian Fellowship just up the road. And this morning he said, brother, I'm praying for you that you do your job today. You preach the word and don't give them anything other than what God wants for them. And church, that's what it's all about. They, well, they won't listen to it. You share it anyway. Men don't want that kind of message. You preach it anyway. We're not preaching what people want to hear, what they have voted to hear, what the survey says they want to hear. We're preaching what God said needs to be heard. And when the Thessalonians heard the word, they were just so joyful, so joyful. Christian, never take for granted the fact that you can hear the word of God. Oh, never take it for granted. There are countries today, and we have five members in our church out in the fields, and we, we're about to send one of our young men over again soon for a short time to lead. There are places, as you know, where the gospel is never heard. And friends, what it means is, is that when you receive the word of God, you're like Peter said, that you desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow, that you may grow. When they received the word, they fed upon it, they rejoiced over it, they embraced it, they received it, they welcomed it. So here's a simple question. When you hear the word of God, do you still receive it like a kid at Christmas? Or is it just something you do? Because if we're going to be countercultural, when we receive word from God in his word, it's going to change everything about our day and our week. Remember what David said, old King James here, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, 105. His word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. That is what the word of God is. Number five, it's understood, it's proclaimed, it's received. But here's a negative. It's not, it is not imperfect. The word of God is not imperfect. Look back at verse 13. He says here, he says, you accepted it not as the word of men. Not as the word of men. If we're honest, most people look at the word of God, the Bible, the gospel. It's written by a bunch of men. And they say, how can you trust that? It changed. It's like that telephone game, right, Pastor? You remember that game where you say something in someone's ear and they pass along the message. And by the time it gets to the last person, it's completely changed from what the first person heard. Friends, the word of God is not like that. The Word of God is sure. It's the same. Over 1,500 years and 40 authors, God has preserved His Word. Now, let's be honest. Are there some hard parts? Yes, there are. Peter even said that. If you remember that, 2 Peter 3, he says, you remember that guy, Paul? Paul has some really deep things. To, this is my translation. He has some really deep things to say, and we don't even understand him. But Peter never questioned that it was the Word of God. Friends, the Word will always be questioned. But the main teacher for the Thessalonians was Paul himself. And if we're going to hear the word, someone must teach it. And I want you to note something here. I want to take a side note for just about a minute. Notice it does not say anything but the word of men. That's a general word for men. It's anthropos in the Greek. It literally means mankind. But I want to remind us here at church, women, you are highly valued at this church and in God's sight. God has made you uniquely and specifically to serve the Lord. But God has specifically and uniquely called men to preach the word of God 
especially as pastors. I want to be careful here that in 1 Timothy 3, Paul taught that the public teaching of the word is not to be taught by women, but by men. In fact, he said, I don't allow women to teach in the presence of men. That's a tough word. I'm not chasing rabbits here, but I want you to know this is why it's important always to go back to this word. Is that hard to receive? Yes, it is. Women, you're not second-class citizens. Men, you're not better than women. We are created equally at the cross, but God has given us distinct roles by which we live this out. God is not a man, Numbers 23, 19, that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. And we need to remember that the glory of Israel, 1 Samuel 15, 29, will not change his mind. The word of men will always fail, but God's word will never fail. So friends, as we go forth, we need to know you don't need to hear from me. You don't need to hear what I have to say. You need to hear what the word of God has to say. Amen. That's all it is. But in so many places today, the pulpit has become a place for political commentary. This is why at this church, and I have had calls like this before, well, pastor, if you'll just endorse me as a candidate for this office, then we can win back Washington together. Friends, it's not about winning back Washington. It's about winning souls for Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. And if we remember that God's word says that his word is more important than CNN, Fox News, Slate, whatever you listen to, that is going to change what we have. The word of men will fail. doesn't mean politics aren't important. Go listen to all our messages back in October. But when Paul preached to them, he brought them nothing more than the word of God. And when they came to church, it wasn't us telling about our week. It wasn't us telling about ourselves. It's about us receiving the Word of God, and that's what it's about. The Word of God is always better because the Word of man is imperfect. Number six, we have two more. Notice what it says. The Word of God is perfect, but as it really is the Word of God, you received it not from the words of men, but from the Word of God. What does this mean? The Thessalonians accepted that the Word preached to them was truly the Word of God, they were like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11, who searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. And this is the accurate communication, that it's not what the word of the preacher says, it's what happens with the word of God. But there are a significant number of pastors who profess a high view of scripture, who prepare their sermons without even consulting the Bible. It becomes like an appetizer before a meal. We have to be careful. He says, but for what it really is. What is it? This is God's word. Muslims believe that Muhammad spent about a year in a cave to get the word of God. Mormons believe Joseph Smith sat behind a curtain and rocked back and forth like he had something going medically wrong and started humming himself out in reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the word of God can't be trusted because unless you're a Jehovah's Witness, you can't truly understand it. But we say this, that this word is deep, but even a child can understand it because it's the word of God. Paul was a scholar. Paul could debate with the best of them. He could preach and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, but he did not see the word as a myth. He didn't see the word of God as just something we do. He believed it to be the word of God because that's what it really was. Friends, that's what we're called to do. Every week you come, we come hearing the word of God. That's what it's all about. Why do we do that? Lastly, he tells you why. Look at verse 13. 
He says it's because it is at work in you believers. It is at work in you believers. In other words, when the word of God comes, it changes you. Yes, we sin. Yes, we get angry when we shouldn't. We say things we shouldn't. We think things we shouldn't at times. But when Paul says the word of God comes, it is transformative. And this word here in the Greek, it denotes an energy and efficiency. It's, it's fulfilling Isaiah's words that my word will not return void. So every believer who has the word of God is going to grow in the word of God. God is going to supernaturally grow them by the word of God. God is going to supernaturally call them not to be passive, but to grow in that grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So friend, the, the question is, which word do we have this morning? Are we thankful for what God has done, that it's a praiseworthy word? Are we grateful that it's understood that, that when you received it, that God actually spoke to you, that you don't have to wait a word from, from the pastor? Isn't that the great thing, that God has given us his word? And let me just say this, the Bible is not a secret document that you have to have a computer program to figure out what it says in between the lines. It's not a Bible code. It's not a Gnostic teaching. You don't have to have some secret password, but you do have to know the Lord. The Bible is very clear that unless you know Jesus as your Savior, this is just another book. But if you know him, you're going to be grateful that the word was proclaimed to you. You're going to receive it enthusiastically. You're going to know that the word of men is not perfect, but the word of God is perfect. And you're going to say, Lord, transform me by your word. And church, as we close, I just want you to know as your pastor, that's my prayer. That's our prayer of Pastor Craig, Pastor Nelson, myself, is that you would grow. And today you should have gotten a calendar that has last names on it, the green, uh, kind of green text at the top. That's our monthly prayer calendar, three families a day we pray for. Would you pray this month, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 in their lives, that God's word would do that work in them? If you're not a Christian here today, if you're listening to us online or off, we just want to tell you there is no way to heaven except Jesus Christ. He is the only way to heaven. And unless you come to him and believe it, that he is Lord and Savior, you will never be forgiven of your sin. There's no good deeds. There's no church attendance. There's no, not a church. It's all Jesus. By grace we're saved through faith. This not of ourselves, but the gift of God. Guys, let's pray. Thank you for a few extra minutes, but I thank you, church, for allowing us to preach the word here. We know we have hard words at times, but thank you for receiving it, thank you for taking it, and thank you for being honorable with it. That is a blessing that you all have. So many churches would not take the word of God seriously, but you do. Thank you for this today. Let's pray together. Pastor Craig will lead us as we close. Father, as we come before you, we are so grateful, Lord, that you have given us your word that, Lord, we have the very words of your hand. People have literally died to have a chance. People in prison who are Christians would give everything they have just to have a page, a line even, of the word. Yet, Father, we so casually, even cavalierly at times, not intentionally perhaps, but nonverbally in how we handle our lives and ourselves, our families, our ministries, everything we are, we turn away and we take it for granted. Father, forgive us. Father, thank you this Thessalonian church was countercultural, not because of anything that they had programmed, not because of anything they had in their buildings, not because of anything they had in their budgets. They were countercultural because they took your word seriously. 
Father, may our church always do so to the honor of your name. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Brother Craig. Please.